Hello, I'm Dave, and shortly I'll be joined by my co-host Ash. Please be advised that the On the Pitch podcast does contain profanity. If you're offended by profanity, then you should probably find some other podcast to listen to. However, if the profanity does not bother you, please practice proper parental discretion. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the On The Pitch podcast with Dave and Ash. How are you doing, Ash? I'm good, Dave. I'm just a bit bored at the moment. <laughs> Nothing to do. Well, you're in luck because we have a podcast and plenty of content to give the people. Where would you like to start today, sir? Uh, well, uh, we'll start with the uh, story from this week that the Eredivisie uh, has been cancelled for the rest of the season along with the uh, lower leagues in Holland as well. So everything's been cancelled. There'll be no promotions, no relegations, and no titles held and handed out. This perturbed a lot of players. I think it's the right decision to make, and I think you concur with that sentiment. Like It is the correct decision to make, but I can also understand certain players, or just players in general, just being cantankered about the whole situation, but the end of the day right human lives matter more than just a game of football and yeah we've been saying this for weeks now about you know how we should how it should just be ended unless you know instead of trying to cram games into a small amount of time just end it and start a fresh next season obviously the dutch fa have done that so you know yeah they've pissed people off of course they have but they've done the right thing they're going to be protecting players media staff everything like that so they've made the right call and uh, Alan Pardew, actually, who manages the team that are bottom of the Eredivisie, he's given the bonuses from the uh, not getting relegated now to the uh, to charity. So he's not he's not taking any money for himself. He's given it all to charity. That's an admirable thing to do, and it's good to see that. It's it is unfair to an extent, but I mean we have spoke at this at nauseum to this point. You're not going to be able to appease everyone, and the proof came when this had happened, that Theo de Vizier said, look, we can't, we can't continue. And I guess in the best judgment call that they could make, decided that they were just going to void the season, have no champions, and have nobody to be relegated, which is fine. Still the right thing to do. Other pundits, as I use air quotes that people can't see, they are arguing that that was wrong and that somebody should have been crowned champions because at least that would have given some type of substance to the season despite the current circumstances. Yeah, but I don't know where not... you stand on that. I don't understand what they're arguing about. Like this isn't on a grand scheme of things. This isn't about football. It's about human safety and saving lives. And you can't award a title if it's not confirmed. And they can't play the rest of the game, so it's only fair that nobody wins anything. And yeah, it sucks for teams that are in the Division 2 and Division 3. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but nobody saw this coming, and it's just one of those things that they're going to have to understand and cope with. I mean, there's nothing more that can be said about it. They've made their decision. They're not going to reverse it because, well, they can't reverse it now, can they? No. I, I just don't understand what people are upset about. I mean, yes, the players, they want to go out and play football. The managers, especially 
I don't know the team that are top in the second division of Dutch football, but uh, their manager is not happy. He's called it a disgrace. It's it's not all completely bad. I mean, all right, so Noah's crowned the champion definitively. But if you look at that top half of the table, Ajax and AZ Alkmaar, I believe, are the top two. There were nine matches left to be played. So obviously, that we already know that's been canceled. But here's the thing. Ajax and AZ Alkmaar are going to go into the Champions League qualifying stages. And this is, of course, pending a ratification by UEFA. So it, for me, it's not a complete loss because you still get a chance to qualify to play Champions League football, which would have been the same result if you would have had played this season out anyway. Yeah, but the thing with UEFA is they seem to have, like, I don't think they haven't got a definitive plan for the Champions League next season. I mean, they could, if all leagues agreed to be voided, they could do it on current positions. But then it's a bit unfair if you're a point clear in a game, a team below you that have a game in hand. So, again, this is what we get back to again with it needs to be a joint effort from every league and UEFA as a whole, rather than, obviously, we've seen the Dutch league have been. Um, it's been cancelled. What if the Premier League decide no, we're going to play our games? It's UEFA needs to take a stand instead of letting everyone do what they want. Which so far UEFA just left it to every individual FA. Oh, UEFA is good at making messes. They are. If UEFA could teach something to anyone, they would give a proper masterclass on how to make a mess of things. I mean, this is a time when they should have just they should have got represent representatives from every FA. Route to qualify for the Champions League via video call to keep the social distancing, and they should have set up a meeting where they discuss all this as a whole of Europe and work out a way where, like we've always said, that we've always stood by the fact that to null and void it is the best thing for everybody because, yeah, titles won't be given out, but at the end of the day, it's how it is. It's just it's just unfortunate. I mean, I'd still be saying this if Chelsea were twenty five points clear of the league. Like it's not to do with Liverpool. Like, if my team, Chelsea, were 25 points clear of it, I'd still say void it. Because it's getting stupid now where they want to ram 92 games in to 40 days. And it's not possible. It's not. Glad you brought that up, though, because speaking of English football, in your neck of the woods, Leagues 1 and 2 are contemplating how to finish off their seasons to ensure that there is proper promotion and relegation. And somehow they've come up with this idea that the top eight sides from each division could take part in a mini tournament to decide who's going to get promoted. Not sure where you stand on this, but it's interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a nice idea. I mean, I like the idea, but again, it will also go down to uh, if those teams have all played level games because if you play the game more and you're only, a, like I said, if you play the game more and you're a point clear, you have an unfair advantage because if they have won that game, they would have been above you. So, and also, when are they going to play these games? Because there's still no, no definition or no definitive time when people can go back out again. So that's another thing they have to think about. So it's 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 more than one dimensional with this. Like you can't just say one thing. You have to take so much more into account. The EFL, their preference seems to be they want to have the season finished by playing all the remaining fixtures over a 56-day period. Apparently, they must have other plans because there's mention of a contingency plan that 
is bleak and they have not given details regarding this contingency plan, but apparently there's one that's in the works to help address how to get sides promoted. What's interesting with this one, though, is for now, there are no plans under any type of discussion that would see any teams relegated. So doesn't that become an issue of fairness where, okay, guys are getting, sides are getting promoted and nobody's getting relegated? I'll unbalance the leagues. Yeah. It definitely so, would. So that, 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 I don't, that there I don't understand. You can't like, okay, have promotion without relegation. Relegate people. You can't have one without the other because they go hand in hand. That's, that's, that's what, a peculiar one, ain't it? It's, it's stupid because if you have three teams go up from League One, you'll have 27 teams in the Championship. They already have a hectic calendar, but they'll have to play 52 games rather than the 46. And, that, and then you have to include all the cup competitions, as in you know the EFL, EFL or Carabao Cup, as it's known, FA Cup, you know. It's the same with leagues. And then what about the teams in the conference? Do they get promoted up to League Two to replace the teams? It just doesn't make sense. You'd have to talk about having... And it would screw up the whole football calendar. Because then you'd have to think about what happens in the season after when there's 27 teams. How many do you relegate back down to the uh, to League One? Not League One, sorry. League One. You make a good point, too, because people forget, too, that Bury... Is is went Bury went into administration and then they don't even exist anymore. So that already had created an initial imbalance before the whole pandemic occurred. So there's already a slight imbalance further down the table because of that. Well, with the Bury games, I think they were given the teams that were used to play them. They were just given them the three points. But still, you see what I'm saying? Numerically, there's still that imbalance because then I believe yeah. at the time they were only going to promote two or relegate two or promote two, relegate one. I'm not quite sure, but I'll circle that wagon at some point. Um, according to the EFL, no decisions will be taken until the government sets out its plans for how the present lockdown is going to proceed after the 7th of May. And according to Sky Sports, the EFL released a statement on Saturday that reads, in consideration of the current challenges, a variety of proposals and ideas have been put forward by the EFL clubs in relation to operational and financial matters, which basically tells me, in layman's terms, we have to play because we need money to survive, is what it all, of course, comes back to. But like I said last week, it's the same for every business. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all right, yeah, I can understand the money you're losing because, you know, player wages aren't, che- aren't cheap, you know, and you're not getting the money through the door every week at stadium or, you know, you're not selling stuff with merchandise because there's no shops open to sell it. But at the same time, it's the same for every other business in the country. I mean, what I will say about lockdown over here is that the deaths are slowing down on a daily rate, but they still have there's still no end to the lockdown because they don't want it to, you know, peak again. So, you know, I think clubs have to just accept that you know, maybe they won't get, they're not going to get the money. You can't play a game. And even if you play these games, you can't get fans in, so you're still not making that money. Mm-hmm. And these EFL games are not televised. Not in, some of them are, but not all of them. It's, it, it's a mess. That's, that's for sure. It is a mess. And we understand, especially in the lower leagues, in the, that these clubs, they survive on gate receipts. 
but at the same time, do you really? What's the point in coming back and playing behind closed doors? It's essentially the same thing. So they just—I believe they, the lower leagues, need to do the same thing and just avoid the season because it doesn't make any bloody sense either way. Play behind the equivalent to playing behind closed doors and not being able to play these matches are one and the same because you're still devoid of people at the stadium. Your main source of revenue are gate receipts, which you're not going to get. So the league just needs to just void the damn thing and go about their business and try it again and see if they can make it work once everything's calmed down, regulations are in place, and it's safe, which is the main thing. It's safe for players and staff to return. Then they can worry about all that other stuff. That's just me, though. I, there, is, there is a lot of errant thinking that is happening with a lot of these leagues and the people that are in charge. At the end of the day, like this will come to an end eventually. Uh, it will. You know, we've seen that across the world. It is starting to slow down. But, you know, people, you know, for now, just to make it easier, just follow the government guidelines and just, you know, stay safe. And then, There'll be less people outside to spread it, and it will come down to eventually to zero. But speaking of people not staying home, not following guidelines, uh, we'll start off with uh, Arsenal, who are planning on starting training sessions. This this shit here. You, you want to start with this, or you want me to start with this? Because this uh, shit here. I'll let you start. You seem like you've got uh, to get off your chest about this, so I'll let you start. All right, so... In the words of my wife, I would like to start this with the logic. Mikel Arteta tested positive for for coronavirus on the 12th of March. And then eventually got bought a suspension of play. The same club whose manager has contracted the virus, and he has recovered for everybody out there. He's fine now. But... Their, their thinking is astonishingly ingrained in stupidity. How do, you, how do you think, first of all, that you're going to be able to train the players when the government supersedes the league? We can start there. So by letter of the literal law, the last time I checked, and, you know, I kind of have friends in England. I, I don't know. You might know a few <laughs> that tell me all the time that the country's still locked down and there's nothing that can be done. So what in God's name are you thinking? The managers had coronavirus. The country's on lockdown. And you're worried about going back to bloody training? Is there just a lack of fucking common sense? Or is it at this point just pure sheer stupidity? So what makes it a bit more stupid? Like, it's individual training. Apparently, they'll, they'll take the safety measures into their hands and stay two metres apart. If it's individual training, these players have the houses and the guard space to do their own bloody workout in the safety of their own home. Why do they need to go to a training ground to do this? They've got fucking gardens the size of football pitches. They've already got gyms inside their houses. Why do they need to go to the training ground? If they need advice from someone at the club, email it or speak to them on the bloody phone it's not it's not rocket science to do the safe thing to do the sensible thing and just stay at home this is the reason why this shit's around because people can't take listen to simple instructions 
they offer their solution uh, as a source told ESPN, because I saw this story on ESPN. So the source told ESPN in the article that Arsenal players are going to adhere to the <laughs> distancing rules that have been imposed by the British government. I'm sorry, you can't listen to the you can't listen to certain rules you want to listen to because the country's on lockdown. The country's I don't know if Arsenal's the country's on lockdown. What sense does that bloody make? We're we're gonna break one rule, but we're gonna adhere to another. What kind of fuckery is this? It's nonsensical. It's it is because and and, it, and from a PR standpoint, you look like an asshole. There's no nice way to say that. You look like an asshole. Because at the end of the day, it, the public perception is going to be tainted because you're, in, in essence, being a, being a hypocrite. You're going to tell people on your social media platforms to stay home and do the right thing. If the government knows what they're doing, but you're going to turn around and only pick and choose what laws that you're going to abide with. That doesn't work like that. It doesn't, especially too. What gets me is especially knowing that your manager contracted it, and that was eventually what spearheaded the eventual suspension that was brought upon the league. Are both but, uh, teams in North London this dense? Because a couple of weeks ago we were just talking about Jose Mourinho had his players on in a park in North London training, and they were blatantly just not even adhering to anything. This is, it's bad in every single lens possible. I'm not being funny, but, all right, I know this money's gone already, but clubs should be fined for this once it's all back up again because they're putting people in danger. Like, why should they, right, they're a football club, they think they can just do what they want. No. Like, I, like I've just said, these players and these coaches have enough money and their houses that are fucking worth multi, multi-million pounds, they've got enough, they can train at home by themselves. I don't understand why they have to go to a training ground to train. They've got equipment and the site and the gardens and all the space they need to do their own training at home. And it just doesn't make sense to me why they have to go to a training ground to do this. Like I said, if they need help from a physio, there's things in Skype, Zoom, phone calls. It's not difficult. They're free. They're free things. Not that, that would even matter when you're earning fucking 50k plus a week. I just do not 50K understand. 50k plus that. a week. Not. Not to mention, not to interrupt you, not to mention that if you're paying any attention to coaching and the way coaches and clubs are doing stuff, you can literally run a whole training session to accentuate your point. You can literally run a whole training session using Zoom with minimal equipment. And I'm just saying, pro footballers still have to do things like work on the fundamentals, passing correctly, shooting correctly, first touch. Just to name a few. You can still do that via Zoom. You can talk to the manager via Skype. There's like even Facebook has FaceTime people. Use the technology and common sense. Which is lacking in the world these days, unfortunately. Oh, we all know that because lacking common sense, Moise Keane, you know, didn't listen either. He too has been involved in an incident. Reaching the lockdown. Yeah, and uh, he's really pissed off Everton. Uh, they used the word appalled by his actions. So, you know, there's going to be consequences for when things go out to normal for him. 
I mean, I'm actually on another football group. I'm on on Facebook. There's actually a fan said he wouldn't even care if he got released at this point. But yeah, he held a house party in his apartment with uh, multiple people, and the photos that he's, the photos were online, and Everton have obviously got a hold of them and have seen that he's acted like a complete moron. Now we have to distinguish between maturity and stupidity. This was stupidity. This was stupidity. This wasn't even immaturity. I understand he, he's young. He's like he's twenty years old, but you know, on, you're old enough to know what's going on in the world. My you're sister's sorry. I'll, my sister's twelve, and she knows she can't go outside. Like it's not oh, wow. rocket. It's not fucking rocket science. I'm just oh. <laughs> The stupidity of football players. Like, if they had no ability, where the fuck would they be in life, honestly? No, you're right. Like, like you said, it goes, it goes back to exactly the maturity thing, right? If your sister at 12 can, can understand that, why can't a grown man at 20 comprehend that there are certain guidelines that he has to adhere to? Not to mention, Everton got a hold of it. Social media has got to be the biggest driver of stupidity in the world today. Because if you're going to at least do something and be recalcitrant, you might want to do it in an intelligent manner. Correct? I mean, if we're doing common sense here. Well, don't do it at all is the first thing I'd say. Yeah, right. But people are going to do what they want to do. So if you're going to do it that way, wouldn't you try to avert the use of any social media platform to make sure it's not leaked? Or ensure and tell your guests, hey, you know, I don't want this getting out. Let's not put this on social media. Let's not give anybody an inkling that we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing so that we can do it anyway. And no, the date's still wrong, but I'm saying if you're going to do something, you know you're going to do something that's wrong, per se, wouldn't the smart thing be to try to keep it low-key? It would, but like I just said, these football players don't have any intelligence these days. They don't think they don't think about common sense. Like they think they're better than everybody else, and they think that the rules don't apply to them. And we've seen it countless times with multiple players: with Carl Walker, Tottenham, Arsenal, now fucking Moyes King. It's just I'm getting sick of saying it to be honest, Dave. It's just getting to the point now where if the rest these players, these people have multiple, they fucking have millions of dollars. Well, I say dollars, pounds, whatever. They have multi-millions, they're on, they've got enough money, they have a massive house, they've got a garden the size of a football pitch. Why can't they just stay home and do it like the rest of us who don't have those things? Yet we can still cope. And, you know, it's worse for us when, especially for me and you, when, you know, we can't go out, we have to stay home, we don't have all this money in the world. Yet we're still making, we're still, you know, making the best of a bad situation. You know, th- that's what I guess gets me because athletes are like, yeah, we're regular people too. Are you? Are you? Because regular people don't make the money you guys are making. No, and it's not just like I understand that it's not all football hosts. Like you know, some of them are doing the right thing. They are staying home. They're training at home. Um, I've recently seen Petr Cech put up a uh, video of him juggling and uh, with control and pushing him against a trampoline from his own house, and he's posting it on social media. Like that's the right thing to do. Like, I quite enjoy those videos, by the way. Petr checks Instagram, doing all that cool stuff. Thoroughly enjoy that. Exactly. It's the right thing to do. Some clubs have handled this with the utmost respect and class. And we've spoken about them before, so I won't go through them all again. But And there's some that just... 
you don't understand yeah. what they're thinking or you know what it's just stupidity at this point and you know what Moyes Keane you could be looking at losing his Everton career at this point because they are not happy at all um, and I mean it's not like he's actually given Everton anything since he joined is it I mean 25 no. million 25 million pound for what exactly him to act like a dumbass in the worst possible time they got him for 25.1 million pounds and all he's produced is one one Premier League goal this season. One. For that much money. I mean, Calvert Lewin's been on form as well since Ancelotti came in. He's been a lot. He's been, um, I don't know if, if he came through their academy or if they bought him from a lower league club, but he did not cost £25 million. And what's surprising me about Moise Keane is, at Juventus, he actually looked like a player that cared about football. When Ronaldo was absent, Moise Keane was doing brilliant things. Like, he looked very good. But since joining Everton, he's just, it's not the same player. No, not at all. And when you do Shadow something, himself. and when you do something so stupid in literally the worst pandemic in my lifetime, and well, in, in my life, and, de- and definitely his because he's younger than I am, but you just think to yourself, like, why are people this stupid? Why can't they just accept that life sucks right now? It's the same for everybody. But why do they have to think they're the exception? They can do what they want. I don't know. This, though, with Keane, it's not, sadly, it's not surprising because prior to the pandemic, he had been disciplined by then-manager Marco Silva for being tardy to a team meeting the second time. Then he was dropped from the starting lineup. And we didn't see him again until Encholotti was appointed. And you think they'd have something in common because they're both Italian, like you know, you think you have to get the best out of him. But no, Calvert Lewin is the one that's firing in goals now. He's been brilliant. He really has, and I think you know, if the Euros had gone ahead with Kane and Abraham injured, he would have been in line for a spot in the England team. Definitely. I mean, I think he's exceptional before this has happened. If he carries this on into next season, I think he should be England's third choice anyway. I mean, Marcus, Marcus Rashford will never play through the middle for England because Tammy Abraham and Kane are better outright strikers than he is. I'm not going to argue that because that, that is true. I mean, Marcus Rashford will be deployed on the wing along with uh, Jaden Sancho. That would, I mean, be, that would wreak so much havoc on defences across Europe during the Euros that that would be absolutely a joy to watch. Oh, 100%. But at the same time, well, next season, things could be different. Like, you know, Everton could sign a world-class striker. Calvert-Lewin might, might not get a chance. We'd, Football uh, does work in funny ways. That, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Harry Kane, as he's got older, he might not even be at Tottenham next season. Who knows? I don't think he's going to be there, honestly. That's, that's just I think he's going to stay for one more year. Mainly because... What, win nothing? Well, of course he's going to win nothing. He plays for Tottenham. But I think he'll stay for one more year just because, like, no one's going to pay what he's worth. I mean, personally, I think he's worth around 70, 75 million pounds, personally. Um, but that's what I'd realistically pay for him. But no one's going to have that sort of money in this window. I mean, I maybe the like. might be even less than that, actually. I, I rate well, him a lot less than that. I say 60 to 65. There's injuries. There's a lot of injuries. And they're that is true. More frequent. 
he is 26, 27 now, so he's not the young prodigy he wants. I mean, 26, he's coming into his prime now. So, yeah. He's still got at least, you know, maybe 10 years as a career. Maybe six or seven at top level, if I'm being honest. But then with Kane, is, Kane can score all types of goals. It's just about keeping him fit. It is. It is about fitness because that seems to be what's troubling him the most is staying fit. Because once he's fit, it's it's not even an argument. That man, when he's fit, if it's one thing we know to be fact, like taxes and death, is when he's fit, he scores goals. The only out-and-out striker in the Premier League I think is better than him is Sergio Aguero. The only out-and-out striker that is better than Harry Kane in the Premier League on his best date is Sergio Aguero. I, mean, I don't like Aguero as a person, but I know I know a football ability when I see it. I'm glad I'm glad we're on this conversation because now we can talk some we can talk some transfer rumors that have been going around the last couple of weeks since the coronavirus has paused play. That's and many of fo- you that follow football will know that silly season just doesn't stop. No, I mean there's all sorts of rumors going on at the moment. Um so one I saw today, uh, it was uh, on, I think it was on a newspaper, I can't remember which one, but uh, apparently Man City are trying to get Leonardo Benucci at the club, which I don't think makes any sense at this point. I can mm. with you it doesn't. I mean, are they trying to spend money for the sake of spending money at this point? I know he's a leader, and he's, but he's what, 34, 35? He's definitely up there. Um They've got Laporte who will be fit by all this is over. They just need someone to partner him with and build something with Laporte. So you think a youngest in their back makes more sense in this regard. It does. He's actually 32, but he's still he's uh, up there. He's getting up there at 32. Yeah. And what, he'll be good for, what, two seasons and go like company while they'll be left with the hole at the back again? Yeah. He's and not, is... in fairness too, he's not really, I've never found him to be consistent enough either. I mean, his form for me, it, 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 there's too much fluctuation in his form because sometimes he's brilliant and he goes for a while being brilliant. Other times you're just like, what the fuck just happened there? Giorgio Chiellini made him look better than he was. Yes, absolutely. That is the tr- That is a universal truth. Let that be known. That is a universal truth. The same way Virgil van Dijk makes Dejan Lovren and Joe Gomez look better. Oh, Lord. Dejan Lovren, the self-proclaimed best center back in the world. I think he needs to uh, lay off the uh, beer. You probably get professional mental help after making such a pretentious statement. He claimed that and then lost the Champions League final in the World Cup in the same year. There you go. But remember, everybody, Dejan Lovren. The fuck out of here. Uh, another thing with Man City, like we spoke about this on the transfers the other day, but um, or the other week, sorry. But they need to partner someone with Laporte and build. This is what Pep doesn't do. He doesn't build teams. Like, he doesn't build for the future. He gets the best out of what he's got, then buggers off. He does not. I mean, David Silva is leaving Man City. <laughs> he's That's... coming to America. Good luck with that. I mean, they lost their captain in company last year. David Silva was their captain this year. He's going now. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that Fernandinho would take the armband for the coming season since he signed the New Year deal and he's that sort of player that could be the captain. Yeah, uh, so... I mean, maybe Kevin De Bruyne could take the armband, but... No, I think it's better off with um, Fernandinho. I do, but uh, for David Silva, they left it to a, the players had a vote, so hey. as to who to as to who to give it to. 
clubs do what they do. I don't. I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. Sometimes to just let. No, because it shows a mutual respect. That for themselves. No, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I imagine they'll probably do the same thing again. Mm -hmm. But Man City needs some serious reinforcements at a time where they can't spend money. I mean, nobody can, but you know what I mean. That's they squad... did it to themselves, though. Self-inflicted. Well, who did they buy last summer? Like, Rodri well, from Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. was the main one. Uh, I, think that, I think that's it. And Jao Cancelo, who's barely got a look in. Yeah, I forgot. I'm not even going to lie. I forgot about Cancelo. Oh, I just can't believe they turned one of the best fullbacks in Europe two seasons ago because he was, he was playing fantastically at Juventus. Like, he really was. And to play £60 million and given that, well, the deal was worth £60 million totally, whereas, whereas Danilo going to Juventus. I mean, they can, and Cancelo can play left-back. He can play either side. And they've decided to use Benjamin, half the time injured Mendy, Zinchenko, who, fuck off, he's useless. And, you know, they loaned out, they loaned out their actual best left-back to Leipzig in Angelino, who is thriving, by the way. Again, nonsensical. I mean, Man City need a left back, a centre back, and that's all they need, really. That's all they need because the rest of their team is pretty solid. They got options everywhere going forward. They do. Uh, not, uh, well, another midfielder won't go to hurt to replace Fernandinho in a few years' time, but I think that was what Rodri was brought in for. But they're different types of player. We'll see Fernandinho- how he plays out at City, though, with because I think a lot of that too is how long is Pep going to stick around. Eh, he won't be there much longer. They're all getting they're all getting to the age now where they're closer to thirty, and he doesn't do rebuild jobs. He goes to ready made teams. That's what he does. He has like a three year shelf life at clubs. Honestly, a bit like Mourinho does. You know, first season sets it up, second season wins a title, third season fucks off or gets sacked. I mean, he hasn't done that at Man United or Tottenham because he hasn't had the well. Tottenham, he's not going to win nothing. Let's not lie to ourselves. United, he did a fairly good job at United, to be fair, but obviously they weren't happy with it. No, we could head to North London though and talk about Arsenal and Aubameyang having a having a saga down there. Well, uh, it was Barcelona that were rumored with them for the longest time, wasn't it? Uh, you know, they were always in the market for a bloody striker. I actually saw them look for Tammy Abraham the other day as an alternative to Lautaro Martinez, which is let's not get into that because it's it's fucking crazy. Chelsea would never sell Abraham to Barcelona. But yeah, back to Aubameyang before I get sidetracked. Um, apparently, he's not willing to sign a new contract and Arsenal aren't going to waste any time in trying to re-sign him. That's the rumours that I've heard. Sounds to me it's a mu- sounds to me like it's a mutual agreement, which I don't think is bad for either side. I, he's well, not going to win anything playing there. He's, getting, he's another one who's getting up there in his 30s. So if he's going to want to win and win something, he's going to want to do it now. And Arsenal, its current version of itself, is not going to do anything close to match the ambition that Aubameyang has at this current moment in his career. I think he's been linked to Man United, Man United before, and most recently Chelsea now. I think he'd fit in at Chelsea for a little while. I would love him at Chelsea, personally. I think he'd be a good competition for Tammy Abraham. Yep. Um, it probably means Giroud would be playing third striker and Batshuayi out the door. Uh, well, how much are we looking at for uh, Bamiang? About what, 50 mil around that mark? Yeah, give or take. Yeah, 40, 50 mil. Uh, but 
wouldn't it be better to get Mertens, who's a few years older, and he won't cost us a penny? Like moving on to other rumours. Obviously, Mertens is available on a free. Um, it's free. It's for me. I've seen him linked to Newcastle this week as well. That would be interesting. I mean, Mertens could go anywhere he chooses. It's down to the player now. But apparently, Frank Lampard has been talking to, well, he's been talking to Mertens directly, as he did with Hakim Ziyech to get that deal over the line. We know one thing for sure that Mer- Mertens has options. I think he fit in at Chelsea as well because with obviously Willian and Pedro probably, obviously Pedro hasn't said he's not signing a contract yet, but it looks unlikely at this point. Willian <laughs> is leaving. Um, obviously Ziyech is coming in, who can play down the middle and out wide. We've got Hudson's on Pulisic at the club. Uh, there's the option to buy back Jeremy Boga for 20 mil. Yep. Uh, but Merton's on a free for a year or two. I wouldn't say no to that. I wouldn't either. Fantastic... He would work at Newcastle too, actually. Yeah, play Merton's on the right, set Maximin on the left and Almiron yep. down the middle. And, get a and decent put Almiron back where he belongs. And maybe get a centre-forward that actually knows where the back of the net is. Uh, he, that, he is in a... Probably in the best situation of his career right now because he can, if he's, he's going to go on a free, he legitimately can pick and choose where he wants to go. And a lot of the clubs that he may end up in, he'd, be, he'd fit right in and immediately be able to aid them. Um, uh, apparently, Andre Onana is open to leaving Ajax in the window. Uh, we've sent him linked to well, Barcelona a little bit and mostly Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So, um, Anana's a top keeper obviously he came through the academy at Barcelona um, I think that he he's a very good goalkeeper still got, a lot, still got a lot to learn but he's 24 so he's got plenty of time would I take him at Chelsea? yes as I think you know Willie Caballero solid keeper but he's 38 so you know time to get another time to go you know, back to when we had check and quarter at the club and they would chat well I say they were challenging each other quarter I did have the number one jersey, basically, but it was always nice to have Czech there, who, who I imagine Courtois was learning from. So it'd be good for Kepper and Onana to challenge each other, I feel. I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like um, to have two keepers challenging each other and pushing each other to the best could be a good idea. It's a good idea. I'm curious to see where else, though, you would be open to moving. Ooh. Well, who needs a goalkeeper right now? Well, uh you think Newcastle possibly, but Martin Dubravka is actually a very good shot stopper. So can't see them get... I don't think he gets enough credit either in Dubravka. He's one of the best outside the top six. In my, well, I say top six as in, you know, the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. But I think he's one of the best outside the top six. Uh, None is a curious one because it seems like very rarely do we ever in situations where clubs are legitimately looking for a keeper. Well, I mean, the speculation has been around Kepper all season for Chelsea, hasn't it? I mean, he's not had his finest season. I think that's fair to say. But, 100%. you know, he was he was dropped for six weeks where Caballero took over. Um, Caballero wasn't that convincing either, but... He did the job. He did, yeah, he did a job. To, yeah, he did a solid job, to be fair. Then Kepper came back and was fantastic against Liverpool in the FA Cup in the 2-0 victory. And obviously, we beat Everton 4 0, where he was fantastic in that game as well. So I just think that for him, maybe this whole pandemic happened at the wrong time, just as he was putting a string of performances together. So it'll be interesting to see how he does when everything comes back, because Chelsea aren't going to sell him. I think that is a fact. 
They paid 70, what, 79 million for him in total, I think it was. Yeah. They're not going to sell him for half of that and make a 30 million pound loss. There's no way. No. No. They definitely want their, their they were definitely going to want value back. And I don't, I can't deal with people saying they got to sell Kepler because it's not going to happen. Learn the business side, people. He's had, you yeah. He's, you, you don't invest money to lose money in that sense. You invest the fast, money and you want to return on your money. And fans forget that Kepler was actually very good last season. Like last season, he was outstanding. He made some brilliant saves. Not to mention, let's forget the Carabao Cup debacle. We're past that. It happened, whatever. Not talking about that. But in the Europa League semi final, save penalties and put us into the final. And he, he's a very good goalkeeper. And what I will say is against Liverpool and against Everton, he looked much more commanding of his area. He came out on court balls. He didn't stay on his line, which, is, which was a trademark of his game beforehand. So he's obviously been working with maybe Hilario, maybe Petr had a word in his ear, but he looked like a completely different goalkeeper. He has. We'll keep our eye on Onana and see ex- exactly where he will end up. Speaking of great players... Um... Timu Werner guy's pretty good, I hear. He's being linked to Liverpool. Well, yeah, the release clause is fifty-two million, but that is set to expire soon. So apparently, he he's open, he wants a Liverpool move, and you can see why. You know, play for a German manager. He's German himself. Liverpool, mm-hmm. one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. My concern is so. What does it mean for Bobby Firmino, who actually basically makes Liverpool tick? by the positions he takes up in his unselfish game, because that's not Timo Werner. Not at all. <laughs> Timo Werner's the exact opposite. And they can play Robert Firmino at Cam, but it would mess up their mid... Then you wouldn't have Wijnaldum, Henderson, and Fabinho as a midfield three anymore. You'd have to pick two of them, and it would it would probably be Fabinho and Henderson as the two that you'd pick, because Wijnaldum is a more, attack, more attack-minded player. But... That means Firmino play at camp, but could he have the same influence playing in a deeper role to create the spaces for Sane, not Sane, sorry, Mane and Salah? It would definitely be, it would definitely too. If that happened, the, you were devoid of any midfield balance at that point too. Well, you'd have Henderson and Fabinho as the defensive anchors, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, as soon I, as you said Henderson, I was like, all right, whatever. Right yeah, now, I'm being serious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fabinho's will be the defensive one. Henderson, the playmaker. Mm-hmm. And then Firmino as the creative number 10, which is the role he'd be playing. But I don't think he'd have to... I mean, he's not a goal-scoring striker as it is. He doesn't... He's not known for his goals. He's known for his, you know, the way he occupies space and creates goals for his teammates, mm-hmm. which, which he does well. But is Timo Werner the sort of player that will create for his teammates or does he want the goals for himself? I mean, we've seen it with Leipzig, you know, thriving in that team because of the service he gets from the likes of Forsberg, Sabitzer, uh, Angelino, Klossum and the fullbacks, everyone in that team. Whereas at Liverpool, he'd have the service from the fullbacks for sure, but would he do the same job as Firmino? And could Liverpool adapt their style of play to have those three forwards? Because, you know, Mane, who is the best one out of the lot, Mane will create and score goals without a doubt. Salah, he's a good He's, he's one-footed. Show him on his right foot, he can't do anything. Firmino won't get you goals, but the space he occupies and the way he, the way he occupies pace and plays in his teammates is key for Liverpool. So it's going to be interesting to see how they set up if they get Werner and play him at striker because they're not going to pay £52 million for a striker 
and sit him on the bench. We can stay in the Northwest and head to uh, one of their biggest rivals, actually, in Manchester United. And De Gea says he wants to stay at Manchester United. Well, he doesn't have a choice at this point, does he? He lost his chance to move to Real Madrid. And, you know, they got Courtois. You know, every team in Europe has a bloody good keeper. So, yeah, he's stuck there. I think, you know, he can say he wants to stay there, which maybe he does, fair enough. But his move to a bigger club is gone. Because he's 29 now, and there's a lot of young talent out there and goalkeepers. I mean, even Dean Henderson is technically a Man United player. He is technically still a Manchester United player. I'm hoping, though. They, I'm hoping Sheffield's not able to buy him on a permanent deal. I really hope I was that he... just about to ask you that. How does that... How does that... That situation's interesting with De Gea wanting to stay. Henderson having the time of his life at Sheffield United. He's playing... His form is fantastic. And he's I mean, already said that he wasn't going back to United to sit on the damn bench. So how do you think this is how do you think this is gonna affect De Gea wanting to stay? And Henderson holds how it's all the cards. Henderson, Henderson holds all the cards. Because we know player power in football. And he'll be our wanted man. Teams looking for a goalkeeper. Dean Henderson will be look up there because is he gonna displace De Gea? Probably not. I mean he should, but he won't. Um because of his age and experience. But he's he's gonna he has to think, does he want to play for Man United? Because they are one of the biggest clubs in the world. And, you know, that could be his dream. And he might want to stay and fight for his place. But if he wants to be England number one for the Euros, he has to be playing games. So the best thing to do could be to leave to a club like Sheffield United, who have been one of the best teams in the Premier League this season. And he's happy there, so why not? I think the better move for Dean Henderson is to do exactly that. Stay where he's at. Force Manchester United to make the sale. Yeah, all he has to do is hand in a transfer. Of course, we know, we know about power, uh, player power. Mm-hmm. And we all know that Ed Woodward, for the most part, doesn't know what the hell he's doing or anybody at Manchester United as far as oh, the football stuff goes. So I'm, Dean Henderson's in a pretty good position to get dug in. Um, regarding probably one of the hottest projects properties in football, uh, Kylian Mbappe, uh, linked to Liverpool again. Apparently Klopp's spoken to Mbappe's father about a potential move. This is not going to happen. Sorry, oh, Liverpool look. fans, it's not going to happen. It's, not, it's gonna, not. They will not get Werner around Mbappe. No. Mbappe. No, I don't think they get... I definitely will say, and I will stand by this, they are not, and do not adjust your value, they are not getting Kylian Mbappe. So get that out of your head now, people. Kylian Mbappe is not going to Liverpool. He's going one place if he goes anywhere. He's going one place. And that is to Real Madrid. Because, you know, with the French connections at Real Madrid, mm-hmm. you know, Mbappe would make that Real Madrid team what it was three, four years ago. He's not going to replace Ronaldo, but he'll, he'll get the goals. That's for sure. And when Hazard's fully fit and the correct weight and actually able to play football again, him and Hazard will tear La Liga to pieces. Easy. And they're surrounded by more talent. I mean, you've got Modric and Cruz passing in midfield. Got mm-hmm. Casemiro. This is there. You've got Marco Asensio if he deserves to, f- if he f- can find the potential he had. Uh, Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo. There's plenty of talent in Madrid right now. 
It would be bloody scary with Mbappe in that side. In a, in oh, a fit, Ed and Hazard. Oh, 100%. I mean, maybe, and then Rodrigo on the right wing. That's, that, that'd be how I would line them up. Mbappe, so he can do so many things with the ball, too. He can play further forward. He can come back at the ball, make plays. He can hold these, pull the plays into a bad. Yeah, he, he is quite strong. Like People seem to forget that. Like He's not a weak player. He's got some strength behind him as well. He does. He would be, oh, he's any manager's dream. I love him. I've been following him since he was like 16. I remember his performance against Man City in the Champions League when he was at Monaco. Brilliant. I mean, that's the season where he really burst onto the scene. And then PSG with their mega bucks came along. As you know, that's football for you, though. Money talks. The question is, is how much is going to be needed to convince the owners at PSG to get him transferred from PSG to Real Madrid? North of 200, well, I'd say normally north of 200 million, which is what they pay for him. But at the same time, no way in hell can any club afford that right now. But Mbappe can Mbappe can play the waiting game and run his contract down. I was I'm glad you said that because I was just about to say that you mentioned player power, and that there is one of the proper strategies, if you will, with negotiations and getting your way and getting a move that you want as a player. It's just doing that one magic thing. Is waiting till your contract winds down because once a player has six months left on their contract at a club and they have no intention of renewing, they are free to negotiate with any club that they fucking want to. If that's 23 or older. Exactly. And the parent club can't do dick about it. Surprised no one actually picked Willian up in um, January, actually. So, see, that was the case. Like, Willian could have, someone could have done that for Willian. But I'm surprised Willian looks like he's going to go somewhere. Liverpool have been rumoured for Willian, actually. Willie, uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool have all been rumoured. We're going to see what happens with Mbappe and even with Willian, too, because that's, that's an interesting one. I still think he's got good football left in him. He has, but he wanted a three-year deal. and We know what Chelsea's policy is like with over 30s. They don't get three-year deals. No, they do not. Um, Lautaro Martinez is... Uh, name that pops up quite often in, in the uh, recent weeks regarding a potential transfer. He's been all over the place. The strongest one is, uh, he's been rumored that Barcelona are looking at offering players in cash. Well, yeah, because the, the his uh, release clause is 110 million euros or 97 million. And in the current state, Barca cannot afford that sort of money for the player. So they're Trying to sort out a player, players. They're often trying to offer players, not just one, but a lot of players, to bring the price down. Mm-hmm. Um, in, uh, Inter Milan asked about a uh, Brazilian midfielder Artur, but Barcelona declined. But um, Carlos Elena, uh, Junior Firpo, Nelson Semedo have all been offered. Apart rumored, rumored to be offered. So it's isn't it not. The craziest thing that for the first time since I could remember that clubs are willing to bargain on prices and players for the for the first time in a very long time because of how this pandemic has affected football. Well, they have to, don't they? 
I mean, because it's not just for the buying club, but the selling club as well. They need to try and recuperate as much money as they can. Like, like I've said before, why I think transfer fees will come down. Teams are going to have to compromise because they're going to need money. And I mean, Lautaro Martinez, he's, he's a good striker, yes. But he's not quite the complete article. And he'll be sitting behind Suarez for another two, two three years yet. I feel. It's... It's such a fluid situation because there are some clubs that are going to have reserve money, so to speak, that they can spend. But I think it's very much to what you're predicting. The spending is going, it's going to have to be under control because that's, that's the climate of the market right now. There's been a stoppage in work. There's been a stoppage in revenue. So whatever money you have and funds that, that are available... You have to start to manage them in an intelligent manner. I'm just curious to see what the long-term effect is going to be when this is all said and done, how the transfer market's going to reset itself. Lower prices will be the first one. I mean, I read something about that, but a lot of player swaps and loan deals could be the way the transfer market goes because they can't afford to pay outright. So it will be player swaps and loan deals, which... In some regard, makes sense, yes. Um, but at the same time, you still want to be able to compete for top clubs, want to be able to compete for trophies and in the Champions League. So you're still going to have to try and spend money to improve the squad you've got. I mean, let's use Chelsea as an example. They're probably in one of the best positions out of anybody because they didn't spend anything this season. And they had the money from Morata's sale and Hazard's sale. Now, here's my question for you, then. What do you think becomes more prevalent as, as the transfer market recovers? Less, more intelligent spending or loan deals? Mix of both. Uh, you think it's going to be a mixture or a combination? Yeah. yeah, and add player swaps in that as well. I think it'll be a mix of all three. Now, player swapping is very peculiar in football, I know here in America, we call that like trading players. So for like America, American fans of football that we have, understand that part. Like, oh, they're going to do what we do here in our sports. Imagine that's pretty peculiar in Europe to when you swap a player for a player and there's no money involved. Um, yeah, it's not the, uh, it's not very common anymore. I mean, one that springs to mind to me is uh, Ashley Cole, sorry, William Gallas and five million for Ashley Cole. Um, I'm trying to think of another player swap, but I actually can't think of any. <laughs> and that's that's. I just found that fascinating. I just wanted oh, to bring that up. I've, just, I've, actually, just, I've actually just remembered one. What you got? Uh, Alex Sanchez and Mkhitaryan swapping. Oh, I even forgot about that. That's a good one. Yeah, it just popped in my head. And that deal didn't work out for either of them, did it? <laughs> yeah, actually, by all accounts, it was the definition of a shit deal. Yeah, nobody won. Nobody won. I mean, Arsenal, because they got Sanchez's wages off their books. And now Man United have a half a million pound player a week on their team, who's, you know, Inter Milan will not be buying him either. They've confirmed that. It's just fascinating to see how the transfer market is going to reset itself and then how it's going to go about its, re- its rebuild, if you will. And are we ever going to see prices be so exorbitantly high? 
as to what they were pre as to what they were pre during and post pandemic it's it's this type of stuff is it's pretty cool to ponder yeah but you think about deals even before the um even before the uh, pandemic. Chelsea got ZH for thirty-three million pound, and that is smart business, everybody. So I think Chelsea can, you know, players are going to be cheaper because clubs will need to make money, and it's the only way they're going. The only way to make that sort of money quickly is to sell a player. So we're talking that players that could be worth a hundred million are probably going to be worth around sixty million now. Sixty, probably half that, and all the way down. So. So these free agents at the end of the season, like, you know, players like Cavani, William, Pedro, Mertens, uh, Jan Vertonghen's free agent, all those players could be in high demand now and a lot of people fighting for their signature because it won't cost them anything, which I think is an interesting uh, development as well. That is very, very compelling because now it already, as you said earlier, it already was a a player's a player's world, if you will. And now the pandemic, I believe, just accentuates that, especially for guys that are leaving on freeze. So all the power legitimately, like the universe, I guess, <laughs> got aligned. And then players are now able to just sit there and literally do what the fuck they want because the market's inflated and those leaving on a free also now hold a little bit more power. Because it's kind of like, okay, you want my services, and let's be real about it. You save money because you don't have to pay my previous club a fee. So I can go to the negotiating table, and I can sit here, and I can dictate my wages as far as what I want and how much I want. And I believe that's going to go up, and agents are going to go to town and have a field day with that, especially with the guys that are leaving on free. It's the same for players that are out of contract next season as well, like Leroy Sane. Because if, if Man City won, if he can demand a huge fee to stay, or he can run his contract down and join someone else for free. It, it, it's like... I, I don't even know how to even describe this. It's something that I, we're not going to ever see probably again in our lifetimes. But the amount of power that players now have all this does is just give them more. It and does. Agents I mean, forget it. Agents are just, they're going to have a field day. They are, they're going to be like kids in a candy store. I mean, agents for, during this time. We've seen players before where if they're not happy, they don't turn up. It's as simple as that. At the end of the day, it doesn't bother them because they're contracted. So they have to get paid whether they score a hat trick or sit on the bench or injured or play absolutely use, play absolutely awful for a season. That's okay for them because they are in a legally contract where it doesn't matter what they do, they get paid. And that's honestly the way it should be because clubs honestly don't give a shit. You well, no, what, I'm, what I mean is players and shit like that, and that that opens up a good another that opens up another good conversation too. Of just using that premise. But the thing with the players is, like I said, they can be on five hundred k a week, like Alexis Sanchez was, and literally not turn up. Yeah, he's yeah, he earns what. Four tax, two million in a month. Wow. I mean, me and you can only dream of that much money in a lifetime. You ain't lying, because I'm not hitting the California lottery anytime soon. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, obviously, obviously, every contract has its terms and conditions and clauses and everything like that, but obviously performance-related bonuses, which 
let's be honest, Sanchez didn't hit any of them. No. But again, but again, it's just Nothing, again though. Players now have like Aaron Ramsey did at Arsenal, kept refusing a contract, kept refusing a contract, kept refusing a contract, and ran the whole thing down. We saw something similar with uh. Let's just be clear. This is how much power players have, right? I'm gonna go back to Sunderland until I die, real quick. Uh, Josh Maja. Did the same thing to Sunderland, where he just kind of sat there. He knew his contract was up. He literally let his agent take the wheel and ended up going to Bordeaux. And that's just an example of how much power the players are going to have and the agents are going to have with, with these negotiations as they move forward. Because the it's always been it's always been the one tactic that we can deem to be the most effective and the most potent when it comes to negotiating contracts and moves. There is nothing legally binding you to even have a negotiation with your, your, your parent club, for the lack of a better word. And you can just sit there and force the club's hand. The club's going to either do one or two things. They're either going to do everything in their power to keep you, or they're just going to have to swallow the truth pill and let you move on. Well, how they choose to go about it is up to them. If like Chelsea with Hazard, for example, um, last year of his contract, we had to sell him because otherwise he was going to go for free. And Hazard played that beautifully too. My only problem with that was as a Chelsea supporter, he should have just shut the hell up and not played the back and forth game. But again, it's that's my only, it's the only thing I've ever bemoaned about with him. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the way he left in all honesty, like because it was different to uh, it was much different to Thibaut Courtois. Like Thibaut Courtois forced his way out of the club, whereas Hazard, no, he actually that final season at Chelsea, he did give us everything. He created thirty-one goals in the Premier League and showed Arsenal what playing football is in the Europa League final. And I kind of accepted that he was moving on. I mean, I I always knew he was going to Real Madrid that entire season, where he kept saying yes and no. I knew he was going. So it didn't. I mean, I was sad to see him go because yes, he was a good player, but I'm happy he has gone because we can now rebuild with the youth players and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it brings more of a team element because everyone plays together. The best and, thing about the transfer market, the way it is, and I was telling my wife last night, this does put, and I think we've mentioned this in previous podcasts, as a matter of fact, this puts more onus on giving youth players a check. Getting them up to the first team, getting them experience, and seeing what you have. If you're an intelligent club with a brain, this is also a pretty good way to get the temperature, so to speak, of the current climate at your club as far as talent, as far as performance at the youth academy. And then eventually, if you want to move a younger player on, you can start to play in the water. You can start to test the water and see what people are going to be willing to pay. This is well, also a really good time for youth players coming up. Well, we say about money for youth players. Monaco, how much have they made? Like, how much have Monaco made in the last few years from player sales? I mean, Bernardo Silva, uh, Mendy, Fabinho, Bakayoko, Mbappe, all sold, and they have probably made nearly a, well, just shy of a billion off those players. Ajax makes Ajax's entire existence. Look at them, for example. Most of their existence is 
pumping out, pumping out youth products, pumping out youth products, developing them, getting them to the first team, moving them on. And it's just rinse, wash, repeat. I mean, yeah, look how much money they made off the Lion De Jong. And they're going to make more money off. Lord knows who's coming out of that academy as we speak. Look at, historically, too, what that academy's produced. Well, we've got 30 million for Ziyech, which, they, which is more than what they paid for him. They've got, um, you know, they've got a lot of young players at that club. I mean, Onana, if he goes, about, what, 20, 30, 40 million pounds for him. Um, David Neres, if he can get his act together, money for him. I mean, Dusan Tadic, no one's going to buy him, in all honesty. No. But Donny, Donny van der Beek, another one. Yeah. I mean, even historically, let's put it this way. For whom I consider to be the greatest footballer to ever touch God's green earth is Johan Cruyff, who came from the Ajax Academy. Um, I think Edwin van der Sar, one of the greatest goalkeepers we've seen, or I've seen anyway in my lifetime. Ajax Academy. You see where I'm going with this? Like, oh yeah, you know, it's the same thing with it's the same thing with um in Spain with Barcelona, La Masia, pumping well, out not- possibly and arguably the greatest footballer we've ever seen in Lionel Messi. I mean, Sask came from La Masia too. And I can, I can, Lord knows, I can go for days on youth academies. Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, boom, they boom. Literally, Spain's midfield. But- the winning world Spain's World Cup winning midfield from 2010. Yeah, it was literally youth products from La Masia that were being developed properly. They were, you know, they got a great football erudition, and then they they all they all went on to have successful careers in Spain for the national team and then outside of their country. Which begs to ask me the question: Why have Barcelona stopped using their academy? Because they the recent uh, their recent um, method has been, let's blow a load of money on players we don't need. Exactly. And, and I'm going to go back to, this is before my time, but if people can't tell, I'm a huge fan of Johan Cruyff. So when Cruyff got there in 1988, they were shit. They were in a really bad place financially. The fans were about to turn against Barcelona. Johan comes in and starts getting those youth players time with the first team getting them developed once they're in the first team then Barcelona goes on to win all types of trophies in the time that Johan Cruyff spent there as a manager not to mention he also helped develop another guy that my wife absolutely loves you guys may know him his name is Pep Guardiola who also by the way came through La Masia and played under Cruyff and he's, he's an okay manager I mean he's not better than me he never will be but sorry Pep I tell the truth <laughs> on this podcast but that, that's to, I digress. And to get back on track with this here, just to accentuate your point, that's what Barcelona at one point was known for. The the talent that was that was being produced and coming out from La Masia. I think in the modern day, though, with everything that's going on, and I don't want to sound biased with this, but when you look at the youth players Chelsea have in the team already, what they've got in the academy ready to come out, Players like Ethan Ampadu and Dujon Sterling out on loan. I mean, you know, Sterling, Dujon Sterling, by the way, he's a right back. Who, he's a young right back who plays for Chelsea. He's been on loan at Wigan season, had his injury problems. Um, before Reese James, Dujon Sterling was the next big thing at, at Chelsea yep. in defence. Um, so obviously, outside of Chelsea, you might not know this, but um, Dujon Sterling's had a lot of injury problems 
And if he could get if he can get fit and get a full season under his belt, then he could be world class as well, like Reese James. He really could. But I'm talking about the likes of Armando Broja, um, Tino Andrin, who both came on against Everton in our last game. Um, mm-hmm. Plus what's already been integrated into the squad with Reese James, Mason Mount, Billy Gilmore, Tammy Abraham, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Fakayo Tomori. And you add all that Chelsea Youth Academy with the money they've got to spend on transfers. Is there a better placed team in the world right now than Chelsea to handle this epidemic? Hmm. No, I, I think they are well equipped to handle what's going on. That all goes back to just not just them, but the teams around Europe and the world that do have good academies and they're they they just know how to develop talent. Borussia Dortmund, hello. Oh, definitely. But Dortmund don't just produce talent; they invest in young talent as well. They invest, they develop. They profit. It's a fantastic business model, what they've got. And you can see it's been consistent, especially in the last, I would say in the last five to ten years, consistent. Bruce, I I have, as much as I say they're going to finish in fifth, which they will. No, they won't. I'm being real. But I'll also be honest at the same point. This is to the to to, little bit back to last last week's part about the United States Stupid Federation. If I'm a kid in the United States, and I'm trying to make my way, go follow the footsteps of Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Josh Sargent, Zach Steffen, and I can, oh, I can keep bloody going. Tyler Adams. They went, and they're playing overseas. Pulisic through Brucey Dortmund, who did a fantastic job. He's, and when he gets fit, he's going to fuck shit up at Chelsea in a good way. And he's going to attempt to carry the joke of a national team that he plays for because he, with that talent, he deserves to be in a better side. Can't nobody tell me different. And if you want to disagree, come be a guest on the pod. Because if it's one thing Ash will tell you I love doing is debating and arguing. I can do that all day. My wife can also confirm this. He does that again. I digress. He does that with me and I'm his co-host. So, (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I love you, Ash. Oh, of course. (laughs) But that's my thing, though. We can't even say that for England. Look at Jaden Sancho. He wasn't getting any time at City, so he was like, you know what? I'm going to give you the two fingers piece. I'm going to go over here to Germany. He got the chance. He's developing. And he's the hottest name in, in on the transfer market, or at least one of the hottest names on the transfer market. What a time to be the youth. It really has been a season of youth players. I mean, Man United have used quite a few of theirs because of injury problems. I mean, Chelsea didn't have a choice, but what always what pissed me off at the start of the season was, oh, Chelsea can't buy anyone. They've got Frank Lampard, who's never managed a top club in his career. Oh, these players aren't good enough. They're going to finish 10th. They're going to get relegated. We're sitting in the top four. If we could have spent this season, we could have next season. If we spend the right, bring the right money and keep this young talent, we can challenge for the title. And in a few years time, Champions League. And the same can be said with Dortmund, right? Oh, 100%. Dortmund always has a bunch of youth in there. I mean, Ajax, too. I understand it's the Eredivisie. But, I mean, as long as you're qualifying for Champions Leagues and you're playing in Europe in some capacity, you're doing all right. There are some clubs with, with seasoned veterans that can't even do that. That's you a whole, s- we can do a whole other podcast and, and with that issue in itself. Napoli, for example, who haven't clicked the season with a very experienced squad. Mm-hmm. 
But mm-hmm. you say about you say about Ajax being the area of a disabled. They did make the Champions League semi final last season and embarrassed Real Madrid on the way to doing it. They sure did an improbable, probable run, and they should have they should have finished Tottenham off. I was heartbroken when Tottenham won that because I, I really wanted. Go on, go on. I'm sorry. I really wanted Ajax in that final. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanted I wanted the Johan Curry Memorial Derby. I wanted Barcelona and Ajax, and then I wanted Ajax to smash Barcelona. That's for you. I hope my brother's listening to this. And if you're not, you're wrong. Daniel, you should be listening to this. But that's what I wanted. I wanted to see Ajax bash Barcelona. I'm still pissed off. Barcelona managed to bottle a 3-0 lead. But, I mean, that's football, though. Football, is, it's, it's, it's fickle. It's unpredictable. And that's why we, we love it. That is exactly why we love it. Um, so, I think that's it for this week. Um... I think we've covered everything we want to get through and uh yeah um fast anything just um to finish off just stay, tell everyone to stay safe just don't be an idiot and it'll make everything a lot easier for everyone i'm just gonna say stay safe everybody and no matter where you're at in the world we like to wish you a good morning a good afternoon and a good night talk to you all next week